I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, we're exploring the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And here with us today is two gentlemen, research directors, Matt Garini and Keith Johnston. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So in 2016 and 17, the CMO and CIO began to play pretty central roles in changing the way companies deal with the age of the customer, deal with the changing nature of customers and the changing nature and impact of digital. As we look at 17, 18, we've seen a lot of things pass by. We've seen different role issues with chief growth officers and chief data officers and and chief digital officers. So where are we today as we sit in January 2018 in terms of where the CMO is and where the CIO is? Well, we've gotten to a point where you know, marketing technology is starting to mature. The CMO is, uh, there's, you know, more and more demands and growth. We've seen through all of our research that the number one priority for all the CMOs is in fact growth. To get to growth, to get to sustainable growth, to develop those emotional high frequency relationships that are actually going to drive that opportunity, you got to bring all the systems together. You may in fact need more technology to take all the minutia that's been on the demanded of the CMO and and get the machines to you know do a little bit more so that she uh, or he can actually focus on growth and get back to the goodness of advertising that could possibly drive that top line growth. And then she needs to bring together you know brand uh, and technology strategies together all into one system. That's how she'll get the growth. I feel like growth has always been on the docket for the CMO. What is different about it in 2018? What's different, and this question has gotten asked to us since the predictions has come out. Every CMO says that, well, of course I've been focused on growth, you know, but, you know, we've never seen disruption at this level. And it's not just retail. Uh, Every industry is being disrupted. Mm -hmm. And you expect a role that's supposed to be one of the greatest communicators in your building to be able to uh, bring the, the systems and the people together so that you can truly create a really great brand experience. And so we stopped talking about growth and actually drive it. What's happening with the CIO, Matt? It's now one of the best times ever to be a CIO. Your ability to change the way that your organization delivers is just immense. Uh, Emerging technologies as well as a bunch of the standard technologies today. Um, So what we really see a lot going on is how does the CIO assume that role? Um, The challenge has been in the past that due to bandwidth issues or maybe capability issues, You've seen some other roles pop up, the the CTO, the chief digital officer. Um, But today, you know, we see that there's a real platform for those uh, CIOs that are strategic, that understand technology, but most important, they understand the business. And that ability to think about where the business is trying to go, as you can bring that in, that's where you're really seeing the opportunity. You're seeing the great CIOs that are leading not only the IT team, but they're also leading their organization to higher growth, and better stock performance. Yeah, sometimes it strikes me when I think of the CMO and CIO, and I think of sort of the bad characterizations of them, that the CMO as a brand entity sort of sits at the boundary of the business. It's not within the the way the P&L is constructed or the way the P&L works. It's just at the boundary of it. It might motivate sort of top line. And the CIO sits sort of underneath it. It's sort of enabling the enterprise. Both of you are describing roles that sit now at the center of the business. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the CMO is always seen to be as close to the customer uh, as anybody in the C-suite, but that was through the brand and the communication strategy. Um, But what it's becoming about now is that, you know, it's it's about the customer experience. Um, And in some cases, it's customer service. 
and I'll, you know, riff off a little bit of what Matt said about, you know, the best time to be the CIO is right now. I think it's the best time to be a CMO. You know, uh, we weren't meaning to be provocative with the grow or go, um, you know, when we said it in our predictions, we were saying it's like, there's an opportunity here. The technology is not getting harder. It's getting easier. Yeah, you need it in mass scale, but now there's cloud and there's great CIOs. You know, APIs are mature. You can create experiences. It's just a matter of taking a step back and looking at, at your sales, your customer service, your brand communications and all that and look at it as a system instead of just one individual channel and take the advantage to, you know, go get your customers now. Go or grow can be perceived as provocative, but also be sure. perceived as common sense. Because if I'm a PL owner, I own a product or I own a service line, whatever it might be, go or grow is sort of what I sign up for. I mean, right. it's just places a CMO and back in the core of the business. Right. You know, we've seen the, you know, CMO tenure decline, but, you know, there's always a reason for that. Um, you know, a CMO can actually extend their, you know, their tenure just by firing their agency, blame it on them. And then you're getting another, you know, agency cycle. Um, you know, then you run out and then you got to go get another job. But, you know, at some point, don't you just stop and, you know, stop complaining about how the technology is so hard. Stop complaining that your budgets, your budgets are being marginalized and just sit back and like, okay, this is the time. These are the circumstances that we're in. You know, how can I, a highly skilled and highly paid, you know, member of the C-suite make things happen? So both of you referenced different roles. So roles that are created in part to compensate with, for the perceived or real deficits of the CMO or CIO respectively. So these would be chief growth officers, chief customer officers, chief data officers, chief digital officers. Apart from sort of the governance headache that can create, how do you perceive the roles as we sit here in 18 on a landscape of 18, 19, and 20? Yeah, the, the way I like to think about it, you know, a role like a chief digital officer to me feels like that's a very transitory state. Um, if you think about digital, uh, the whole idea is moving from an analog to a digital state. And, you know, over the next two, three, five years, most companies will make that transition. So at that point, do you need a chief digital officer? No, digital is the way you do business. So you're, you're going to see some roles fade away like that. Um, you know, in terms of data officers and things like that, I think that's something that we may see continue on. Um, data will be um, one of the currencies that you deal in as we move forward into the future. Now, the, the real debate here is when you project out five, 10 years um, or even two to three years, is it a CIO? Or would you rather be known as the chief technology officer? You know, there's there's indications that um, some of the operations that we look at in the future will actually start to get more automated or go to the cloud. And in that environment, you'll, you'll see that um, CIOs, the role changes a bit. And you really start to become you know, more aligned with the business. And you start to really function more around the technologies. So what the, what the head role may call may change, but you're still going to be looking for people with those skills or that ability to build and deliver capabilities. So as a question to that, one of the challenges in front of non-digitally native firms is to build or rent a digital platform so that they can move rapidly in a market or operate digital first, whatever way you want to phrase that. The platform and the products begin to be somewhat indistinguishable from each other. And without worrying about that I got the name right, chief product officer or chief platform officer, and maybe just to your point, does the CIO role morph so distinctly that the I is no longer really even relevant. It's really, it's building and managing a platform as a flywheel of experiences and products. I think ultimately um, the, the end state you described 
will happen. Um, I just don't know if it's the CIO who assumes that role. I think that's the question. It's all going to come down to, you know, Keith was mentioning about capabilities. Do you have the right capabilities to assume that, that role? A lot of that is that business knowledge, being able to take that. You hear me say business multiple times. You know, that's one of these key things for the CIO going forward. You need to have that business mindset. You can't sit in your box and just focus on the IT. You need to think about how we can use technology to create value moving forward. So when you get into these more product-oriented companies, um, if that CIO has that ability to think about what the right products are and how to develop and deliver those, then that's that's a natural spot for them to end up. Yeah, it does strike me that when you, as you speak about the concept of business and you bring up the concept of the go or grow for the CMO, the biggest difference is the CMO and CEO begin to be in the direct path of revenue and a direct path for good or for bad of customer churn and revenue churn. I mean, it begins to be inseparable from how revenue happens. I'd add one thing to that. Um, you need to drive that growth, and a key element of that is the experiences you create. So Keith's alluded already to experiences, and I think if you're the CIO, you really need to think about two experiences. One is the customer experience that you deliver. Um, you are an integral part of that. Um, you're providing the technology that the CMO and the team uses for that experience. The other thing is, is the, there's the employee experience as well. And more and more of our research shows that the, you know, the better the, the better the experience for the employees, the better the companies uh, 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 deliver. And the better the company delivers, the better the customer experience. So there's this natural chain. And we're seeing those really forward-thinking CIOs be able to use the elements of CX to deliver their EX and then get the benefits for the CX. So it's a nice virtuous circle there. Yeah. And Keith, I mean, from your perspective, there's obviously, you mentioned the chief growth officer, chief customer officer. So are those, again, these sort of temporal roles or do you see, how do you see that playing out in the next year, two years? We see the synergies that start to come together because it has to. You have Mm -hmm. to look at the entire company as a system, both internally and externally, all the way to your customer. So customer as employee, customer as your customer, your Mm -hmm. consumer. Um, going back to, we asked the question is, are some of these positions temporary? Well, chief digital officer, Matt and I have had many conversations where chief digital officers have showed up in his world. Chief digital officers have showed up in my world. Yeah. You can see it solving the immediate acute problem, which is I'm not digital enough and I need to get the acumen and provide sufficient positional authority to make digital happen fast. I mean, exactly. It's the same reason why you had mobile specialists for, you know, as that was like a new channel coming out, you have these people who know that channel inside and out and then are bringing that expertise. But the expectation is, is that, you know, two years down the road, that marketer knows that yeah, channel. And, and it really comes down to leadership and accountability, mm-hmm. you know, and this is what we're saying is, that, you know, stop complaining about what's wrong and figure out what's right. And, you know, if chief digital officers need to come in because you don't have enough talent in your in your C-suite, particularly your CMO and your CIO, um, then you have other problems, you know, that you need to deal with, you know, high, you know, make the expectations higher and solve it. And, and the other p- p- point is you're just setting yourself up for big headaches down the line. Um, a lot of people we talk to that set up digital capabilities, they're now struggling with how do we bring everything back together? Because you really have two options. You either take the old stuff and stick it in the new, and that just pulls back everything, all the great benefits you were deriving out of digital. Or you take digital and fold it back under the old, and again, you start getting a lot of the, the bad habits. So it doesn't solve your long-term problem, and it doesn't solve your short-term problem. So it's really something that you need to think about, and it really comes down to, hey, if I don't have the right team, 
Put the right team Get in Get the place. right team. Well, it's funny you said that because we've had a number of conversations as it deals with digital or innovation incubation centers, or it might be that sort of the best way to do it is to separate it from the mothership, like have it live on its own. Then it begs the next question, well, how the heck do you bring it back? Yeah, and the only way that ever works, like the chief innovation officer, what a great title, um, that nobody knows what that means. What it means is actually you're, you're creating a bubble of innovation within your organization because you don't think that your organization is innovative. And then um, that can be a great idea as long as you go into it with a plan. Go into it and say, for one year, we're going to create this other thing because we know it's so different than the way our company is operating now to know that we're going to strategically and very deliberately fold it into the organization and say to the company, all of you will be innovative. All of you will be digital. We just have to take the first step. Yeah, roles like that cannot sort of spawn a collective executive eye roll going, yeah, that's going to work. I mean, you just can't because it has to be a governed environment where people want to make it operationally work. And this might be why the the chief growth officers that we see popping up all over our client roster uh, may be a temporary position. Um, you know, the eight that I'm thinking of right now, seven out of eight of them had had the chief marketing officer role, you know. So maybe this is a natural evolution, but the executive team used it as an opportunity to bring product, customer experience, and marketing all under one roof. Yeah, it does strike me that on, on, on the customer side, one can argue that CMOs were primarily involved in customer acquisition. But in a world where customer churn is probably the greatest sort of influence on P&L performance, and whether that's full customer churn or revenue churn, and whether I'm being stolen by a peer or stolen by someone else like Amazon, the CMO has to look at the full customer sort of life cycle through them and understand how it means from an acquisition, retention, enrichment standpoint. I mean, that's, to me, where growth begins to be sort of more formative. Precisely. And so this is why, you know, uh, you know, I beg to differ with some of the CMOs that tell me, it's like, well, it's always been a gro- about growth. Well, yeah, but, you know, g- growth is in the, in the form of acquisition, which is what a lot of advertising is about. But, oh, by the way, your most high-value customers that should be spending more with you may in fact be already customers and you need to nurture that customer relationship. How do you change your communication strategy? How do you change how they feel about your brand so that you're growing the customers you do have while you're going to get new ones? So both of you mentioned the word technology as if technology is important in 2018. Shocking. Genius. (laughs) This is why I'm a host. Yes, a Uh, co-host. A (laughs) co-host. Power play. (laughs) So in the concept of technology, we could argue it's just linear, meaning it's just the same kind of stuff, just more of it. Or you could argue it's more transformative, meaning it's a different type of investment, it's a different type of technology, it's a different use of technology, or it fundamentally changes the operations because of technology. Which is it? I'll go with transformative. Um, I I think... um Looking at where we are in this point in time, we've never had so many different technologies that have the ability just to rapidly disrupt markets. Um, right now, if you look at it, um, you can see new business model, models emerging that technology impl- um, enable. You can look at all the different unicorns, these billion-dollar startups. Um, we've never had so many, and it's there's free, cheap capital out there, and they're all using technology to try and come and disrupt And um, when you look at the technologies, you know, there's things that have been around for a few years now, IoT, but we haven't even scratched the surface of what IoT can do. 
um, AI is starting to come around. Well, AI is not one technology. You know, depending on where you look, there's anywhere from 12 to 14 different types of technology. And we're starting just hitting the first couple areas. You know, we're just doing things with machine learning and with uh, the virtual assistants and things like that. So the, the potential for AI is massive. But, you know, just beyond that, we just did our first report about quantum when we first started talking about this six months ago, we said, well, we'll write this report. It's going to be really early. And um, three months later, we said, well, we probably need a, we're going to need to do a follow-up. And we said, well, probably at the end of 2018. And now we're looking at all the plans of what Google and Microsoft and D-Wave are doing. And we're like, you know what? We need to get more in front of this. And the interesting thing about quantum is it's, it'll change everything, the way that you program, the way that the infrastructure runs and things like that. So this technology right now just has that ability to absolutely disrupt. And um, it goes back to what we were just talking about a bit too. Because of that level of disruption you can get, the ability for customers to hyper-adopt goes through the roof. You see how quickly uh, Facebook took to get to a billion uh, users, YouTube, all these folks, massive hyper adoption. Um, the flip side of that is hyper abandonment. Um, if you think about Pokemon Go, it was everything for three weeks. And I challenge you now to really try and see a lot of people out there playing Pokemon Go. You know, everyone adopted it, but they weren't able to create the experience or maintain the experience. And people went in other directions. They so, ran into a bunch of lampposts. They all got hurt. It's just it's, they're an IR. Manhole covers. Back. Uh, but but that's that's what technology is bringing today. So that's why the transformative comes in. You get, it's just so easy to be able to change the game um, that you need to stay on top of it, or you're going to be an afterthought. So you said something in there that that was different than before. Technology 2010, place it there, was sort of a comment about I my PNL can perform better because I'm spending less money on technology. I'm more efficient than my competitors. Or I simply run my operations better than my competitors. Now your comment is technology is instrumental in my competitive position in the marketplace and my ability to, to sort of win the customer, serve them differently with a set of experiences, and sort of solve the washing machine problem. I mean, that's a very different import to the role of technology that the CIO is bringing to the game. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, when you look at that, you know, in the past, technology was to solve might, you know, specific problems within the organization. But now you need to make that shift in your thinking. You know, not only do I have these new technologies, but how am I going to change the game? And the CIO can play a big part of that because there's not a lot of people that understand what AI can do, what AR, VR can do. But if you can play that role to your organization, this goes to our previous conversation about roles. Now you're a valued contributor and you're helping your business change the game. You're saying, hey, if we do this, this is a new way for us to create new experiences. But it's one thing to change your mindset and another thing to be able to shift funds from one thing to another. So how are firms or CIOs making that happen? How are they making those investments in those new technologies, keeping the lights on, but then also bringing to bear these new experiences? We see them using a few strategies. Um, you know, the first one is um, if you look at some of the work that we've done recently on tech spend growth, mm -hmm. um, you know, 16, 17 grew each year. Um, 18, um, we're projecting an almost 6% growth in global tech spend. Um, and then in the 19, we think it's going to continue. And if you see the way that uh, the economy's been growing and things like that, so we're starting to see more money flow into IT. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of CIOs listening to this that will object because they're also under pressures to maintain budgets. And when you get into that maintain of the budget, um, you get, there's, a, there's a lot of things you can do to start to think about how do you reallocate. You do need to, th to think less about 
what's the, the, you know, the kind of the foundational layers. You need to have them. They need to be reliable, but you need to create that shift into more of these customer facing technologies. And, and some of the things you're doing, you know, there, there's rationalization of the environment. You know, we talked about just with all of these new technologies coming in, you're starting to see people be able to really to rationalize their, st- their estate from an application perspective. Um, infrastructure is great, getting greatly rationalized. Oh, and also on-premise and cloud, which ones do I put in the cloud? And well, Yeah, and, and you're just seeing an absolute reduction of the number of um, assets that you need to deliver that. So some folks are going pure cloud um, instead of having five data centers. Yeah, and to square your circle, it, it, it can be true that CIOs still feel under budget pressure and you're seeing 6% growth because it might be that those budgets aren't uniquely coming from the CIO, which brings me over to you, Keith, which is, the CMO has a much greater stake in future technology than ever before. And that's not exclusive. That's also business unit heads and others will have the same argument. So what is the role of technology in marketing in 2018? Because it feels very different than in the past. Yeah, CMO has the fastest uh, you know, growing budget and new project spend uh, in the technology uh, space. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, what I'm excited about technology in marketing and advertising now is it's it's getting easier. Matt said that, you know, there's a reduction in the amount of layers of technology that you have. Um, you know, it's pretty exciting that there's lots of platforms that kind of come together and they talk to each other. You know, you can buy a big, you know, enterprise stack and get just about everything and then add a few point solutions and, you know, you're up and running and you're really running a, a marketing system, uh, if you will, uh, so that you can get back to focusing on, you know, the storytelling and the brand building and all that stuff. So, you know, that's the, that's the exciting part. So what does it technology play in a role? Well, you know, I think you have two sides of it. You have all the marketing technology, you know, integrate that all the way to your customer. And then you have lots of new and emerging channels and technologies that, you know, you can use to, you know, really push the edge of innovation. Um, but the great thing now is that it's not feeling as hard. It's not, you know, a bunch of one-off things that you hope can be integrated later. As a matter of fact, if you have a great relationship with your CIO, um, he or she is going to be able to enable, you know, much greater impact on your customer and your marketing, uh, you know, in that, in that manner. If you just look at the entire technology strategy within your organization, not just what's IT doing, what's marketing going to do it, you know, because the CMOs in the past have just, you know, whether it be speed or ego or what have you, uh, you know, tend to go on it alone. And uh, it just creates more messes. I think we're at a point now that, you know, the great CMOs are going to be really looking at their big ticket items like, you know, media spend and, you know, not eliminate all media, but really think about, you know, what is, what is the right media plan for my customer? And then all that other money, you know, let's move it into customer experience. Let me go help my CIO to create, you know, a better technology stack that's going to be better for me. At one point in time, it might have been true that for CIO, um, having the first big deal with one of the ERP providers sort of locked you in. Whether you liked it or not, it sort of forced your hand for future procurements. As we see here today for the CMO, is that the same thing for marketing automation where they have to be careful to think of a best-in-breed independent ecosystem and not sort of have the same ERP dynamic hit them? Well, here's, here's the challenge for, you know, all those technology vendors that want to sell the CMO. The CMO wants best in breed, you know, and, you know, if you want to neutralize a conversation between the CIO and the CMO, you know, customer obsessed, be customer obsessed. If all the argument is what's best for the customer, not what's best for me individually, then that's going to dictate your technology. 
So if you, you know, deploy the CMO mindset, which is best in breed, you know, that doesn't mean a five-year commitment to IBM or Oracle. That means what's the best technology out right now? Because Matt alluded to it, right around the corner, there's an awesome unicorn, you know, that's going to help me, you know, grow my business, you know, better this year than the technology that I perhaps was using last year. Part of the consideration of the CMO and CIO is data. How is that working in terms of unearthing and creating a consolidated view of customers, regardless of where the the data is grabbed from, where it's stored, and how it's governed? Well, I'll take it on from a strategy perspective that maybe Matt can talk about the technology, is that it's been hard for a long time. And one of the greatest pain points in driving growth and being connected to your customer is the fact that uh, you need to connect all the data. Mm -hmm. And uh, for so many years, it's just been so hard. You've had um, multiple stakeholders of data. You have different um, sources of, of records. Um, you know, for a marketer, they may have, you know, several agencies, a CRM agency, a digital agency, and then their traditional, you know, ag- agency of record. And, you know, you want to get to marketing ROI? Well, you have to make all those people play together. Uh, you know, now we're getting to lots of really great technology that, you know, can liberate us from, from those hassles. And, you know, if you just take a step back and, and make sure that you have one source of truth, you know, for your data, and then, you know, ask of your CTO or your CIO to just create me some endpoints into this thing. You know, uh, you can make demands now on your agencies that you will play together because now we have one source of, of information. Um, you know, so from a strategic point of view, the time is now, the technology is here. You know, we just need to change the way we work and make it so. And then, you know, get together with our technology partners to, you know, get to that technology. And then it may be brutally painful the first go around to migrate that data. Likely brutally painful. You know, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but the technology exists now. Now you got to like focus on the strategy. I also think that, that the market mandate exists because those that can, can convert on the data and actually actually use it as currency versus as raw material, they'll do well in this market. And those that can't will struggle. From a CIO's perspective, Matt, how are they thinking of data at the enterprise level, both within their within their walls and also as real currency for the company? The leaders that we see are, are you know, one of the things we talk about is going from data rich to insights driven, and that that's where we see the leaders. Um, they're able to consolidate large amounts of data, um, not just for the sake of having inf- having that data, but they're taking it and they're solving actual problems within the organization. I think that's a fundamental piece that a lot of a lot of folks miss. Um, back in, you know, the 2010, 2012 uh, timeframe, um, when I was a CIO, everybody wanted to do big data. They wanted to, do, you know, go into Hadoop and things like that. And, and the question we continued to ask was, what problem do you want to solve? You know, once you can do that, then I can start to say, okay, what data do I pull together to help you solve that problem? And then we started to see some real value created. Um, that's today. I, I still don't think we're all the way there. I think there's a, a piece where you got to bring that data together. You need the right people that can do the analysis. And then you need the right platforms that enable um, decision makers across the enterprise to be able to not only be given insights, but for them to generate their own insights. So there's a democratization that has to happen of the data. You can't just hold it in and just meter it out. You need to get to that point where you free that data up. And and in cases, you're even seeing it where a lot of companies are creating value by taking those, that data and that insights and making it available either to partners or customers. 
And now they're creating value out of that. So, so data becomes just, you know, the, the wave of the future. And I think data may be, you know, we say the currency, but insights is the profit yeah. that comes from that. The insights is, is what you do. And if you look at some of our research about the insights driven firms, um, I think we think that there's going to be like $1.5 trillion of value in insights driven businesses. That's massive. And that's the potential here. And you're saying it from some of the new companies, but you're also seeing from the established companies that have this wealth of information that they're unlocking and they're using to drive big value across the platforms that we discussed earlier. Yeah, I think there's a fundamental difference between thinking of it as a use case or a monetization case versus an infrastructure. So I can build an infrastructure of data, to your point on Hadoop or other types of things, or I can look at it as if I'm going to monetize it to a partner, I may have to start thinking of a use case that looks at price points, revenue plans, and data begins to be a key revenue stream of the business at that point in time. It's a very different way of thinking of what we now call currency. It's very logical, but it's a very different way. And one of the things that you had hit on is the people talent component, right? So you need these people who can take that data, derive those insights. What, from a 2018 perspective, are you also seeing in terms of sort of the talent shifts needed to bring some of what we've been talking about to life? You know, the, the first thing, I'll take this from a slightly different, and then I'll dive into people and talent. Um, when we do our research about customer-obsessed companies, um, the, the main lever for success is actually culture. And interestingly, the weak is still positive, but the weakest is technology. And when we talk to a lot of CIOs, um, we bring those two points out because interestingly, you got a lot of folks that are trying to get the technology right. And if you don't have your culture, your structure, and your talent, you'll never be successful. So that leads us back to, to, to where you're going there. And um, I think we hit on it a bit earlier about, you know, you need to look at your team. And if you don't have the right people, you're going to struggle. Um, so we've really been working with a lot of different clients around how do you start to look and make sure that you have the right talent and that talent's changing. So as you start to get into more of an AI type world, um, as you start to work with more vendors, so as you move to cloud, as you're starting to use more SaaS products, the, the idea of being able to meld services to be able to orchestrate the movement of data across multiple different platforms, it, it's putting value on different skill sets. And, um, I like to use a rule of three. Um, when you're making big changes like this, there's usually about a third of the people that can, that see the change, they get it, and they're there. The next third needs some training, um, some um, telling the story, bringing them along, but they eventually get along on the journey and they're there. But there's around a third of the people, sometimes it's down in that 25 to 30, 33%, but there's a big portion of folks that just might never get it. And you need to figure that out. And, and that's really what can be an effect on culture, right? Because if you're in this battle where you're just trying to keep your current resources and always trying to adapt, you might struggle. So you really need to think about who those champions are, get them in the right roles. You're going to need to think about those people you need to bring along. And then those folks and those other ones, you're going to need to think about where they're best suited within the organization. And sometimes there's that hard decision of maybe they're not best suited for your organization. So the way that people manage talent moving forward is going to be absolutely critical. And I think it's one of the top, you know, two or three skill sets, if not the top, that CIOs are going to need going forward because it's not just the skills that they brought in five, ten years ago. The whole game's changing. But it has to put a premium on talent management because you may not have in the overall market a talent shortage. That might be true. But for specific and critically important skill sets, you probably do. And what might be worse for some of the non-digital natives is they're competing for talent with the digital titan. 
And you could argue that from a CIO's perspective, they're going to have to pay more to, to buy the market for specific skill sets. Are CIOs aware of sort of the economics going forward for the AI experience design, security and privacy, other things that seem to be more, more scarce in the market? Uh, I, I think so. You know, our recent research talked about that if you look at the number of STEM grads coming out, and if you look at the number of H-1Bs in the U.S., there are more people than there are jobs. So it's not- in the, in the overall standpoint. In the overall IT perspective. So it's not one of these things that there's not people out there. The, the thing that we see, it's around skills. And broadly, it's that most people scope jobs way too, uh, way too high for what they actually need. But the fact is what you said, Victor, there are certain roles around security, um, some of the AI disciplines now and things like that where you need to pay for, for that capability. Um, at some level, you're never going to be able to do it because um, you talk about the, the giants. Um, it's the vendors as well. So the vendors are ones that are really overpaying for that capability because they're trying to create services in those areas. Um, we talk to CIOs about different strategies. Sometimes location is a big strategy. Um, we've seen different people citing more of their facilities in different markets so that they can get, you know, they're, they're more of the story and they create that better value proposition for an employee who wants to live outside of some of the main tech areas. Um, we're seeing people create that talent proposition where it's not all about working for the big tech company that I'm going to work 80 hours a week and it's all pressure. You know, some people want to get a career. And so there's different elements there that CIO can play. Sometimes it will come down to cost. But your point on talent management is absolutely key because from personal experience, I watched three different um, security people that we developed at my old company then become CISOs at other companies. And there was nothing we could do about it. Right. So we just continually had to get back on that treadmill. And what was important was that we had an active pipeline to identify who we could go to quickly and hire if we needed to. We had a succession plan for people internally that we could move into the role. And we were actively trying to multi, you know, build multiple skills in people. And then once people were in the role, we knew that we weren't going to be able to get all the skills that we wanted. We looked for a core set and then we built those skills with them once they were internal. So you got to think, uh, that's why I like your talent management point. I would just put that little bit on the front end about how you identify talent and get it in. But then once it's in-house, you really have to think about that management. What about from a marketing shop perspective, Keith, the skills, the talent that's going to be needed to be a growth engine? Yeah. So a lot more business acumen, a lot more strategy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sitting inside the organization. I think uh, there's a less, uh, you know, there are so many great agencies out there that are still partners. And I think a lot of marketers kind of relied on those agencies to, to you know, drive their uh, marketing strategy. I know more CMOs are really thinking about, you know, how do I get those perhaps expensive, uh, you know, sure. really great strategists and, and creatives in-house in -house. Yeah. Uh, and then augment, augment my resources uh, with external agencies. Um, we have a few CMOs that, you know, the, well, actually all CMOs are looking for analytics talent, but we have a few CMOs that are actually, you know, bringing in financial analysts in their organization so that they can, they can, you know, truly show how they're, you know, uh, delivering an ROI and, and monetizing every asset that they have. Uh, the talent management is pretty interesting on the marketing side. Uh, as we see the growth of in-house agencies, um, what comes with that is a different way to manage. You know, one of the most convenient things for a CMO, if they have the money, uh, is to buy a great agency and have them on retainer because that agency is responsible for all the, you know, eccentric 
and great talent that comes with, you know, hiring a great creative agency. Um, and they're responsible for finding the next hot set of skills. Um, once you bring it in house, that's your responsibility. And so we've seen a couple of clients with chief, you know, chiefs of staff and, you know, the equivalent of managing directors inside, you know, their marketing, you know, uh, organizations because, you know, now they have an agency in-house. Uh, and then that doesn't mean that they don't stop using external agency. Um, it's just, uh, you know, trying to centralize the stuff that's most important to them. So both of you fine gentlemen put up predictions for 2018 that were clear. They were provocative. They were stretched for some. But ultimately, they were very sensible given the market that the companies operate in. So what does it mean in 2018? What matters most to the CMO and CIO that's going to not just survive these transitions, but lead them and thrive in them? And I'll start with you, Matt. I think one is the culture point that we were just talking about, you know, that ability for the the CIO to really drive the right culture. I, I think a lot of times people get bought into that their corporate culture may be great, but that doesn't always mean that your 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 IT team is. Um, but getting that culture in place, and, and that's a tough thing is to, to change a culture, but it absolutely needs to be done for today. Um, this, the second thing that I look at is around speed. Um, the, the, we talked about disruption, hyper-abandonment, hyper-adoption. Um, you know, business moves at a different pace today than it ever did. Um, and that ability to bring new technologies to the fore to help solve problems uh, has not always been a, a, an asset within the IT team. And as you start to look at the different things that even when we talk about in our predictions, you know, we talk a lot about the new technologies that are coming to the fore. We talk about the way how operations are going to change. Um, speed is a, is a massive component of that. Automation will help you move quicker. Um, the idea of bringing in methods like agile and DevOps will help me move quicker. You need to start doing those things and you need to start doing it in such a way when the business comes to you and says, here's what we're thinking, you're able to say yes and here's how quickly I can do it. And, and being able to get that shift in clock speed will be, I think, a key driver that helps you get to that point you're trying to get to. CMOs, it's time to just be the great facilitator within the organization. You have the communication skills, you know your brand, you know your customer. If you are in fact that CMO, you know, be that internally and externally. Bring customer experience and, and, and influence the product and be that collaborator within the C-suite to bring all those things together. Uh, the technology is coming together, it's available. Um, it's, it's, it's not as hard to integrate, it's not as hard to deliver a strategy. Um, if you just step back and look at the sum of all the parts, not just, you know, one or two channels collectively. Thank you both for your time today. It was great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. <laughs>